and welcome back to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast and um, broadcasting here from three different locales within New Orleans because we practice social distancing and we don't want to get people sick. It is Fredo and Dave and myself, Aaron. Everybody say hello. 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 Hey. Um, and uh, today is a special day because it is draft day and, you know, we are the Who Dat Jedi, so there's a Saints bent to it, you know, New Orleans bent. And uh, before we got on, we were just talking about the draft. And uh, But let's talk uh, just a little bit of Saints football just real quick. Big news this week. Not only is Tom Brady going to be at Tampa Bay, or I'm sorry, Tampa Bay. Is that what we're calling it now? That's, that's what he's trying to call it, the branded. But yeah. That, it sounds icky. But anyway, um, not only is Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay, but on Tuesday, the Patriots brought Rob Gronkowski out of retirement and traded him to the Bucks. So what do we think about that, having Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski two, day, uh, two games out of the year? It's going to be entertaining. I'm pretty sure that Gronk is still hung over from 2015, but that's just me. But anyway, okay, yeah, it'll be enter- entertaining, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, that's well, that's what I always come down with. I'm like, that's what I'm in favor of as a fan. So entertainment value trumps everything else. I have no idea if it's going to work out for them. It's like you said, Gronk is on the downside of his career. Uh, Brady probably is. Um, so I don't know that it'll work out great for them. But like I said, I, I can't wait to see how it unfolds. Yeah, no. Realistically speaking. You're talking about a 43-year-old, greatest of all time quarterback, but a 43-year-old quarterback, and a guy who's already retired once because of the number of injuries that he's uh, accumulated. Because that's part of both the appeal of Gronk, but the downside of Gronk is that he was never shot away from contact. And that's great, but that also leads to the injuries that he's had. And you know, I struggled. I mean, I still think they're a good team. I struggle to see how they're better than any better than any of the five or six other good teams that are in the NFC. Well, it'll be interesting just um, from the standpoint of um, this is not like Tom Brady coming off the bench as a rookie or in his well, first year, whatever it was. Um, it's somebody who's been in the league for umpteen years going to work with a coach who's been coaching for umpteen years and it's it could end up having this you know like the relationship of uh in the replacements you know gene hackman as the coach and whoever the dude was that was the striking quarterback who came back you know you know there could be there could be some conflict there i mean just from a this is the way i've done it you know as as even as flexible and i think i, I think the world of bruce arians if you've seen you know, um, you know, any documentaries on him? I think he's a heck of a coach. I think he seems like a good guy. But I mean, there's when you put, I mean, NFL is full of strong personalities. But when you got a quarterback who, like I said, is seasoned and a coach that's seasoned, that's going to be interesting. Um, well, the the only other thing I'll say is, and we have seen it in the past that talented Hall of Fame level quarterbacks go to positions where you think, oh, they're set to excel, and it doesn't work out for whatever reason or another. Like Brett Favre went to the Jets and stuck it up, there, and then he ended up in Minnesota the year that the Saints won the Super Bowl, took him to the NFC title game, 
and everybody thought, okay, next year is going to be their year. They're all set to go. You know, every year is different from the last year because the roster is never quite the same, and the alchemy is never quite the same. I'll say Tampa looks like a team that wants to win a Super Bowl this year, come heck or high water, because that's, you know, it's either this year or next for them, and then they will blow all that up. That's a, that's a big investment. I think you've said it best in like our Twitter conversation. It's like, this is one of those things that could go great for them or could just totally blow up in their face. I don't think, I don't think uh, Tampa Bay is like mediocre. They're either going to be awesome or it's just going to, it's just going to be a tough road to hoe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Dave, if, any other yeah, thoughts? I agree. I mean, if you talk, <clears throat> if you look at the Favre experiment, that's how that went. Um, it went really, really, really well, and uh, and only that Saints uh, uh, fourth quarter uh, slash overtime saved them in, against Minnesota. Uh, and then it went horrifically bad with the mm. Jets. And that final year in Minnesota, I'll never forget. Like he suffers this awful concussion, um, like on this frozen turf. I think he was playing the Bears or somebody, and it just looked bad and it just it was obvious he shouldn't have been out there um and and you know so yeah could go either of those directions um yeah and that's what you don't want to see from you know from your oh, yeah your, your favorite athletes or your favorite musicians it's like when you go you know see a band it's like, oh i can't wait to see this band I, i've been waiting my whole life and then you see him you're like oh it's just sad. They look like they're going to die on stage and they can't play their instrument anymore. And it's, you know, or they've uh, blown their vo vocal cords out and they can't sing anymore. Right. Yeah. But anyway, so that was the big saints news. And, uh, so, uh, I don't know what guys, what position do you think we're going to draft? What do you think we're going to go after? If we put this on the record now, we're going to look like idiots though, because the <laughs> podcast won't drop until tomorrow. Uh, linebacker is the position that they need. Um, but they're not locked in on that. I hope. I hope they can draft best available guy. Part of me, I mean, there's been rumors that they want to move up. So my guess is if they stay where they're at, linebacker makes the most sense because it is a position where historically the Saints have been awful at drafting. You know, you they they've taken the best available linebacker every time, you know, in the first round and it's blown up in their faces before. So part of me thinks their interest is gonna be move up. And it's to go get a wide receiver. But we'll see. I mean, in terms of needs, needs are few, and that's how they like it. They like to solve their their plug in their holes, and then you look at the draft as a let's just take whatever the best talent available is. And, and do we trade Alvin Kamara to trade up? Uh, that's going to be interesting. I would not trade Alvin Kamara unless we are guaranteed to get somebody of his skill set. Because otherwise, that's a major loss for this offense. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I think, I, 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 uh, like, yeah, you, no. you would have to have like <laughs> you know, God's only son, you know, in a, in no, a uniform. I, I, Joe Burrow. I mean, like that's what it would take—a shot at Joe Burrow, right? Because mm -hmm. you get the the LSU Saints connection, one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. At least he had one of the greatest seasons of all time. Um, yeah, he's like the guy that everybody's lusting after, and there's no shot that the Bengals will trade. Um, so yeah, yeah. So there's just there's nothing that would make me think you should get rid of Alvin. Well, all right. Well, Fredo's going to be watching 
the the live feed on his iPad or whatever. Trying to if we get to uh, the Saints pick, we'll see uh, if either one of you are smart. I didn't give my my prognostication, so um, I'm still actually wondering if if they're. I mean, Davenport has been good, but we still haven't. He's been injured. He still hasn't lived up to being that complement to that pass rush, pass rush complement to Cam Jordan. So I don't know if wouldn't be surprised if a defensive end is on our horizon as well. But yeah. um, there's but, there's a number of uh, good good defensive end pass rushers available. So if that's what it falls into, yeah. But anyway, um, I I do know this. There's probably not going to be a Nebraska Cornhusker being drafted. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, I don't. the first round, not tonight, not tonight. Uh, all right. Well, we're a, we're kind of a Star Wars podcast. Um, so, uh, we'll do some trivia as always right now. And um, before we get into news and what we're kind of geeking out over this week, um, so let's see here. And I'll go with Dave first. Um, let's see here, Dave. Which which of the original six would you like a question from? Um. Just surprise me. Oh, okay. I tried to mix it up, but now we're just going to go random again. All right. Random. So, uh, who meets R2-D2 and C-3PO at Jabba's door with the greeting, Dawanawanga? Bib yes, Fortuna? I, that was a perfect, you know, rendition of it, or, you know, <laughs> impression of it. It is Bib Fortuna. Yep. <clears throat> so That was a great impression, yes. You... <laughs> You deserve accolades for that. The the uh, Star Wars character with the worst teeth brushing habits. Um, <laughs> got really bad teeth. Uh, it, it says something. I mean, we've met other Twilights in the in the other Star Wars properties. It says something that he's the ugliest, nasty looking one that we've ever seen. All right, Fredo, pick a pick a movie. Uh, let's go with Revenge of the Sith. All right, so. Okay, here we go. Who greets General Grievous by observing, you're shorter than I expected? Uh, should I give everybody a minute, or should that be obvious? Uh, that would be Anakin Skywalker. It was Anakin Skywalker. All right, on. All right, so I will pick one just at random here. Uh, who's the first rebel pilot to fly into the second Death Star? And that would be wedge antilles but here's another question can you name another rebel pilot that flew into the second death star <laughs> Lando pilot, Lando. pilot number three <laughs> the, the guy with the mustache that got shot down the guy with the, the, airway, the, guy with the <laughs> airway that goes copy goal leader and uh Veers off to the right to uh, draw some. Time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a couple of lines, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, was that the guy who got shot through crashes into the uh, into uh, the Super Star Destroyer? Uh, or is that a different one? I was an A-wing pilot. I, I and uh, so. Yeah, nobody A-wing pilots don't get any recognition. It's all about the. Action. I think that was yeah, it was like Richie Cunningham or something. Yeah, but uh, right. you know, you got to be the action pilot. Those are the jocks. Those are the superstars. So that's our trivia. That's always just kind of fun. Nice little icebreaker there to get us into the Star Wars, uh, Star Wars feel. But uh, so, what have you guys been doing to uh, to keep yourself busy? Um, and uh, so, Fredo, we'll start with you. What's uh, what's new, Star Wars wise or anything wise? 
No, anything wise is just normal work. But uh, Star Wars wise, uh, I completed, I finished uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, saying last week I was going to finish it, so I kind of went back and uh, visited every planet, try to clear out all the uh, secret chests, try to get all the uh, Echo Force Echoes, and maximize all my uh, uh, Force powers. So kind of try to try to get one hundred the the thing, although. That's still gonna take a few more steps, but no, I was able to finish the campaign. It was really interesting. Did you uh, the story? Oh yeah, the story was really good. I I found a I found it really fits really well with some of the stuff that we see in Rebels, particularly the Inquisitors, and because okay, minor spoiler alert: the climax of the movie takes place at Fortress Inquisitorius, so the home base of the Inquisitors. You get to attack it, basically, right on, or infiltrate it because you wouldn't really. But it's a so it's a really unique take on things. Obviously, they didn't make it as easy as we said last week. Uh, they don't make it as easy as some of the other Star Wars video games to be a Jedi because you're not a Jedi per se, uh, not at the beginning. And um, but it's really fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was really well done. It, it does that good thing that all good Star Wars properties do, and it gives you that moment where the music swells and the and the image fits and it's just awesome cool right on you know actually and i'll, I'll jump in here because mine kind of links in to what you're talking about um <clears throat> because uh i've actually uh well first of all just a quick little update for you guys on my marvel watching um i think last time i said i was up through iron man 3 yeah I think, but anyway, so we watched Thor: The Dark World. We watched uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier, and we watched Guardians One last night. Um, we've seen Guardians One before, uh, so um, so yeah. So um, we're we're trudging along um, and still still enjoying. Um, I I don't know if I have anything really to say other than yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, what, I, what I might tell you is, in my personal opinion, those uh, those two movies back to back are the peak of the cinematic universe: Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy. Winter Soldier was much more. At one point, I think I actually said, "Did Michael Bay direct this?" Because <laughs> it was very, you know, it was even so much more action oriented than other movies i think with all the cars flipping and shooting up and stuff like that it was uh so it was interesting um uh, like i said dug it um but uh, but that's where we're up through um so i think next up on my list it says is the avengers age of ultron or do i need to watch ant-man and wasp and stuff like that first no avengers age of ultron if you've seen uh, thor the dark world iron man 3 Guardians and uh, Winter Soldier. That's what right. it should be. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could watch Ant <clears throat> the first Ant Man, but no, it's it actually literally that came right after Age of Ultron. So uh, the other thing that I, I've been doing, I said I, I told you I read um, the Son of Dathomir comics. I'm actually reading the Darth Vader series, the Marvel series that came out in like 2017, and um, and the, 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 I. Just mention this because, well, first of all, you said the Inquisitors play a key role in um, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Well, they play a key role 
here as well. This comic book series, it takes up right after episode three. So the Emperor is kind of playing mind games with Vader and sending him on missions, right? And the he's he put him in charge of the Inquisitors. And so what I'm going to say is, I'm not going to give a synopsis of everything, but I the comic book is obviously filled with Vader fighting and beating up and killing a lot of people. And so this got me thinking. We watch, we grew up with the, the original three movies. Never saw Vader lift. A, I mean, it barely, barely fought in any of them. Yeah, there were lightsaber duels in each one of them. But you always knew that he was a bad McClunky. You know, you just knew it. And never did I need to see him slaughtering a bunch of people. You know what I mean? So now fast forward to Rogue One, and I think that hallway scene in Rogue One is was it was so fan servicey, but it's what we've all been waiting for is to see Vader do that. Um, I don't know. I, reading this comic book and seeing all this, you know, this Vader doing all this stuff, I find myself going, I don't need this. This is it is it's incongruous with the incongruent with the um with the Vader I know. Does that make sense? It's like, I, it was always just known that he was powerful. I didn't need to see him being, I don't know, obliterating people. I don't know. Do, I, do you guys know what I mean? It's just, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just, it's, it's offsetting. I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? Did, did you, did you need that hallway scene with Vader in Rogue One? Did you do you need to see him killing a lot of people to cement him as a bad guy? No, but uh, I think what's uh, what I like about it is that every now and again it's good to remind people. Some, sometimes it's a pricing you just uh, presume, kind of like the Emperor. Everybody sort of presumes that he's the ultimate bad guy, that kind of thing. Uh, so you tend to forget. So it's, every now and again, it's good to see it as in action, not just as a implied threat that everybody you know kind of understands but what i what i'll agree with you is that i tend to like my vader in particular when he's threatening in small doses i always found that the best vader to be a menace was that guy in empire who steps into a room and everybody's just like, like you kind of pointed at the end of oh. it just walks away and the tech guy just looking over his shoulder making sure he's gone yeah. But even even better is in A New Hope when you know the general the you know the general is getting mouthy and he just mm -hmm. lifts up a finger and starts choking him, right. and, and that was like that gave you enough to go all right don't mess with this guy, you mm -hmm. know. And it was kind of like the the video you shared with the the people who made Rogue One going over what what could have been. There was a pitched scene of you know in not Vader in the hallway but Vader on the beach Scarif and just you know, kind of a saving private Ryan moment where he's just slaughtering everybody. Mm -hmm. um, you know, seeing Vader like that, what would that have done to your mental model of him? I don't know, Dave, what do you think about this? Part of the reason the scene that they ended up landing on works as well as it does is because it is confined. And I think they mentioned that in that video. And I'll, I'll include that video in our links this week because um, it's a really good watch that um it ends up feeling like almost like a horror movie at that point it's claustrophobic. Um, 
Yeah, you're stuck in this hallway with someone who's like well beyond anything you could ever deal with. You're doomed. You're going to die. Um, and so like those feelings, they they were able to convey so well. Um, I'm not going to say that that scene was necessary or required, um, but it had always been something that it always had been hinted at in the EU for a number of years. Um, and we just knew it happened on screen. And so I think a lot of people were hoping to see it on screen, especially with the prequels. Um, they were hoping to see some Vader wiping out of the Jedi. Um, and you didn't really get that. At least you didn't get him doing any of that in the suit. Um, so... Well, you get, it, you get it, some of that in those comic books, so I will say that. <laughs> it's scratching itch for a lot of people, so I understand it. But, like, I'm kind of with you guys. It's it's not something that I needed personally. Yeah, I, and I think it's also, it's kind of a commentary on, you know, actually filmmaking, where, you know, older filmmaking, it was a lot of implication, you know, not just Star Wars, but, you know, you imply certain things. You don't have to show the mass slaughter of, you know, yeah, of people, or you don't have to, you don't have to show every single thing. It's like, all you have to do is, you know, drop the line and have a certain, have it acted a certain way. And it's like, okay, you, you get it. Um, and I think. You mean you don't have to do uh, a scene where Anakin kills younglings just to <laughs> drop the fact that he killed them. Although yeah. I was going to say, uh, Dave, you probably saw it. I don't know if Aaron did. The uh, robot chicken when he's Anakin just swirling around cutting flowers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's a thing yeah. that I think anybody would ever want it to get. That's funny. Yeah. My mind went to that scene as well because, like that, the the moment is implied. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have to literally see him cutting down little kids. Uh, you just see him ignite that saber, and you know what that scene's about. Um, and it's better. It's better because of it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, like I said, that it's just the, reading this comic book. It's just kind of offset. It just making me, like I said, off kilter. Just like uh, I don't, I don't know if I like. You know, I understand Darth Vader's evil. I understand that Darth Vader is powerful. I understand Darth Vader's all these things, but I don't know if I need to see page after page of him like killing everything. <laughs> A womp, a coal riding into town, a womping and a whooping, everything within an inch of its life. You know, I don't need to, <laughs> don't need to see that Darth Vader. I, don't know, I, mean, I, I mean, just imagine if you got to see scenes of that nature frequently, you couldn't sell Lego Darth Vader to kids. Parents would not be like, oh yeah, but it'd be like, like trying to say, okay, we're gonna sell you a little Lego animal lector. People will be turned <laughs> off by it. You have to, you know, you have to strike a fine balance between the evil and danger that the lore and the story demand of Darth Vader, and the fact that you also ultimately created this character as a mechanism for promoting your global that's, brand. You can't just. My, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. My my last my last point I'll make is that that's why I really love the the Star Wars novelization is because you get inside Vader's thoughts. And how he feels about Tarkin, and how he feels about all these things. I just, I, I really enjoyed. I like more cerebral Darth Vader. But anyway, so that's what I've been doing. Um, Dave, what have you? What have you been up to? Oh, a lot of the same. Uh, I finished reading Thrawn Treason, 
which is a part of the more recent Thrawn books from uh, Timothy Zahn. Um, and I don't know if any, either of you gentlemen have read uh, any of the Timothy Zahn novels. Right here. Okay. Um, they're very um, technical. Um, and so he, he really dives into the... Um, the the technical side of it's almost trekkian <laughs> at times it's like oh we're going to initiate the warp drive to do this and then that thing will happen as a result of this and uh we're going to flush them out but it's very it has it almost has to be that way um with a character like thrawn because he's very strategy minded um he's almost um holmesian um mm. And, and the, yeah. yeah, and his approach to everything. He's constantly breaking down the situations around him. And and for that, I really appreciated the book a lot. Um, it, it basically leads you right into the end of Rebels, too. There's a coda at the end of the book that talks about how he has to go off to uh, capture Ezra Bridger for the Emperor which is kind of a really nice touch and a nice way to for the book to tie into the t television series. Um, cool. So I'd re I'd recommend it. It's a good book. But again, if you if if you've not read Zahn before, you know you have to know going in. He's going to get very very technical and detailed. <laughs> well, right on. Well, cool. I'm glad we're all keeping up on keeping having Star Wars keep us uh, busy during this whole lockdown. Um, but there, there's a couple bits of news this week. And one, it's kind of funny as we're sitting here having a conversation, my wife is tweeting at all three of us and Dave, your wife, um, about, uh, this first bit of news. So Fredo, um, Disney plus news kind of. It's via variety. Uh, the rumor is that a Star Wars series has tapped, uh, Leslie Headland was the co-creator of Russian Doll for uh, Netflix to develop a new series at Disney Plus. So I'll read from the article. It says a new Star Wars series is in the works at Disney Plus. Variety has learned from sources that the series hails from Leslie Hetland, co-creator, showrunner, and executive producer of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Russian Doll. Details of the exact plot of the series are being kept under wraps, but sources say it will be female-centric takes place in a different part of the Star Wars timeline than other projects. So, and then she's going to be the writer and several showrunner, and the show's currently staffing and in development for how it's going to uh, come together. My, I, I said this in our conversation today, my, my gut says, and, you know, I was trying to, you know, spell Occam's razor while I was also working at the same time so and i spelled it horribly but it, you know it I'm just saying i think it's the ahsoka series i mean it's that's it's going to be it could be ahsoka and sabine looking for ezra bridger it's taking place between jedi and the mandalorian um so you know and even if ahsoka even if there's a little bit of overlap there's still a good chunk of time there that you know she's off looking for people um so that, that it seems to be those two rumors converging. That, that's my, I mean, that's my thought. Uh, yeah, my, my initial thought was similar to yours regarding 
it being Ahsoka's series, just because we've already gotten just about confirmation that she's going to be in the Mandalorian. Uh, she's being heavily, she's the face of the Clone Wars as that wraps up. Uh, the only thing that kind of gives me pause is that idea of in a different section or a different portion of the timeline that we haven't seen before. I mean, we've seen the Clone Wars, we've seen the Galactica, I mean, the, the post-return, of the, we're seeing right now, post-return of the Jedi uh, with the Mandalorian. And we've seen the, the reign of the Galactic Empire and Rebels and whatnot. So, try, you know, that's the only thing, unless you're saying that Ahsoka is long-lived and lives beyond the sequel trilogy. I don't know what point of the timeline we have in, we, that she's currently alive that we can explore with her. The only th other thing that I thought of was, um, you know, make the uh, the real nerdy among us really geek out as if it would be a Doctor Afra um, live action thing, which I've, I'm not too big on her story, but I know a little bit of it, so that that could be a possibility. I don't know, Dave. What were your thoughts when you saw this? Looks like Dave might have frozen, folks. So he might have to <laughs> join us later. Um, oh, I was thinking the same thing Aaron was thinking. Yeah, that's good, Dave. <laughs> he's frozen in shock at the at the news. That's all I can he, say. He's, if you could see this, he's looking like very menacing at me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> rather Vaderish, rather rather Vaderish. Uh, but no, I mean, look, it's just for, oh, just from the standpoint of. Uh, the idea of another series. I think it's interesting that while we still have not gotten confirmation, we know that there's a movie reported sometime for 2022. But it's interesting that what seems to be propelling forward right now, Star Wars, is Disney Plus. Well, let me ask you this: Why is it? I I can't remember who I heard mention this, but I was like, yeah, this is a really good point. It seems like Marvel is like. Um, I think it was Resistance Broadcast they were talking about this. Marvel will tell you what they're going to eat for lunch tomorrow, what they're going to wear five weeks from now, you know, what their favorite. They'll tell you everything that's coming up, and here's what's going on. But Star Wars is like, mm, there's a series coming out in 2022, or there's maybe a trilogy, and no, we're not confirming this. They're holding so many cards to their vest that it just seems, you know, good Lord, what, what's the harm of saying... Yeah, you know what? We're gonna do this, then this, then this, then this, then this. And uh, Dave and Dave is back and he's no longer staring menacingly at us. <laughs> no. Dave, when you popped in, I just I just said um I, I had a question because I heard I think of people on resistance broadcast, it's like Marvel will give you the roadmap from here until the end of time of what they're going to do and the projects they're working on and give you as many details as you want. Whereas Star Wars, it's like you know, there's this rumor and this isn't confirmed and this may be coming out in 2022 and this might be a Ryan Johnson trilogy. It might not. It's like all this, you know, like I said, just, you know, don't look at the man behind the curtain type of thing. Yeah, I don't know. But first of all, what do you, what do you think about this new Disney plus rumor? Um, and then what do you think about what I just said about Marvel and star Wars? I think if it's if it's connected, if the two rumors are connected, if this is about the Ahsoka show, um, I wouldn't rule out that that could take place after the Mandalorian, because if um, Rosario Dawson is cameoing in um, the Mandalorian, uh, well, we know from a 
a real uh, life perspective on these things actors age (laughs) (laughs) and and so it would stand to reason that she might want to play a a character who has aged a little bit from the previous series so um that would i would put it more likely that it would be post mandalorian than pre-mandalorian but i wouldn't rule out either option um I tell you what, I would love to see if it is what you're talking about. Is then I want a Mark Hamill cameo in the Ahsoka show. That would be anyway, wild. I'll just yeah. I'll just drop that there. But anyway, Dave, <laughs> I, I just interrupted you. So yeah, no, that would be the, awesome. The other the other question was um, well, just where, why does why, why do we get all these oh like, yeah, yeah and everything's um, kind of hidden? But Marvel will be like, yeah, I'll tell. I'll, I'll give you the combination to my lock, you know? I'll use Occam's razor again. It's that they don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know where they're going. They're not, they're not sure what they're doing. They have several different projects lined up as possibilities, but they're not greenlit, greenlit. Um, and it's like, okay, so this project's going to take precedence because we like the script. This project we're going to put on the back burner. It may never get made. Um, there's just a lot more fluidity in general, and that would be my explanation. It, it sounds like Prince never died, and he's running Lucasfilm. Yeah, well, <laughs> now, I was going to say, uh, in some way, the, the work is harder for Star Wars and Lucasfilm than it is for Marvel. Marvel's adapting. They're, you know, All the road work, uh, the hard work of creating stuff was developed by Stan Lee and G- Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and all the great Chris Claremont, all the greats from the 60s, 70s, 80s. So that's what they're doing. They're taking old stuff and adapting it to today. It's a lot harder for Star Wars because they're having to come up with it, first of all. And second of all, they're having to answer the the question of, does this feel like Star Wars? Because that's going to be the question that the fan base is going to ask themselves when they see your project. Because if it doesn't, that's going to be the first charge that anybody's going to level at any project. It's going to be, oh, this doesn't feel like Star Wars, or this feels like Star Wars more than this. So I will say that I, I hope for this because, like, one of my comments from my wife in that tweet was, you know, talking about a female centric show. Said, don't she said, don't read the comments. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they're, and, they're already all the edge lords are out. Yeah, here's here's my thing though, is that um, I hope. And go ahead and McClunk me, McClunky me out here, but I I hope it's you know that if it you know this female lead, I hope she's an McClunky kicker. It's like in Marvel, one of my favorite. By the way, in all these Marvel movies, one of my favorite characters is Black Widow. I think she's I think she's awesome. You know, there's a lot of you know there's a lot of elements to her character, and she she kicks McClunky. You know, and I I just I hope we don't get. Oh, Anakin, talk to me about where we're on Naboo and combing my hair type of a thing, you know. Uh, well, so. speaking, of which, speaking of which, just going back right quick to the whole idea of Vader on the beach in Rogue One, I'm like, that's a perfect moment for him to have sat down and gone, sand. Yes, it would have been. Yeah. <laughs> I don't anyway. like sand. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll I, I just wish that they would come out. It's, yeah, I just wish that they would come out with something that says, here, this is what we're doing with Disney Plus for the next five years mm-hmm. and give us that roadmap and just make everybody, that, you know, anyway. Although I will say just slightly in their defense, given the times that we live in, 
in some ways, not knowing what's going to come next, it's giving them some flexibility. Because we're talking about Mandalorian and Cassian Andor and all these projects and even the Marvel stuff, like it's going to come down like normally scheduled. Everything's yeah. going to shift. I mean, we're not talking yet about all the productions that have been put on hold or suspended, but they're going to have to kick back up and going. And then, you know, at some point we might reach the end of the of the recommended page uh, list on Netflix and they're going to have to wait for you don't commit to anything they can't hold you to anything so yeah i understand all right so what I, what I, want I want them to i want them to commission like just teams and teams of writers right now and just be writing out the wazoo because like fredo said you can't do anything else so why don't you get your scripts in order of the production this is i know this is a wacky idea for star wars uh, for the modern Star Wars that we've been dealing with. Get your script in order first, then shoot it. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a new thing for them. Yeah. So we had a had another little bit of, of news. Yes, Fredo? So the other bit of news that kind of came out came out the day prior, also from Variety. Uh, so Mandalorian Season 3 already in the works. So... so so apparently season two is as more awesome than season one and we're guaranteed another another bout. Yeah, so sources close to production now confirming that John Favreau is writing has been writing, quote, writing season three for a while, and that the art department led by Doug Chang has been creating concepts for season three for the past few weeks. So basically following Dave's suggestion of, well, you can create right now, you can brainstorm and you can come up with stuff and just kind of go off. So it said, saying that one source says, we started pre-production and are looking into further adventures for the Mandalorian in season three. Uh, another source with the knowledge of the, uh, the situation confirms that the design department began working on April 20th, so on 420, uh, pointing to the fact the department requires such a huge lead time to explain why the gears have started grinding really early on. So production wrapped on season two about a month ago. And, you know, so they, it must be really good that they're already saying we want season three. You know, what's interesting about that, too, is that I saw an interview with Rosario Dawson um, where she's, again, it still has not been confirmed that she's in season two of The Mandalorian or even playing Ahsoka anyway. Um, and yet they're saying that season two is basically in the can. You know, is this interesting? It's, again, why don't uh, we've talked about this before? But why don't they just just confirm? You know, it's probably a just how much money is she getting paid? You know, type of thing. But um, anyway, so well, interesting. So season three, I, I'm in for it. I like the Mandalorian. I just hope that it, you know, it's not going to be like Caddyshack two or you know anything like that. So world's yeah. worst sequel. No, and I think I think what's interesting is, I mean, they know they have a hit because everybody responded really well to The Mandalorian season one. They know that it's been very much covered. You know, everybody wants to get it now, even though it's coming out in October, to the point that they're able to put a little joke of a teaser uh, trailer for 420 with a teenager rebel baby Yoda, no longer Tino baby, but uh, so. They, they know that there's a demand. And right now it's the one thing that, you know, it's one of two projects that everybody's just on board with. So keep the train going, so to speak. All right. Sorry. In football news, 
Joe Burrow went to Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, obvious but, is obvious. And there's reports of the Falcons maybe moving up. But here is the here is the headline that came across my phone from NOLA.com. LSU quarterback. The pick is in. Burrow goes number one to the Bengals. From uh from Ohio, Joe Burrow descended to Louisiana, and to Ohio he has returned. Dear Lord in heaven. <laughs> Descended and reascended. I guess guess Jesus really was a blonde white guy. Okay. (laughs) Joe has come. Joe has left. Joe's a Bengal now. I'm sorry for a second. (laughs) Sorry, with all with all due respect. I mean, I I, you know I know people who know people at Nola.com, and they're good people. But it's just like, really, really that that that's what you're going. But I guess it's. Made me talk about it on a podcast, so there you go. <laughs> Might get him a click. So, uh, um, well, cool. I think that wraps up our news. Um, and uh, but so tonight, our topic is um, we're talking about, and it's not. I, I think we're probably going to say it's like the best musical moments in the Star Wars saga. But it's really probably not going to be the best, but maybe our favorite, um, most impactful, you know, um, because I could, you know, I mean, I've got my my degree in music education. I spent, you know, years in undergrad, you know, analyzing scores and things like that. And then as a band director, I did the same thing, you know, preparing scores to. So, you know, I actually sat down and got to analyze the score for Anakin's theme, you know, from and some other pieces from episode one, because I actually it's kind of funny. I had a rule that I would not play any Star Wars music with my band. And they're all like, oh, Mr. Swoboda, play some, we got to play Star Wars stuff, especially when episode one came out. I'm like, no, I don't want to play Star Wars because basically every like high school band arrangement of Star Wars sounds like crap. It just does. And I don't want something that is so near and dear to my heart to sound like crap. Um, but actually, I did find a good arrangement. Of, it was a suite of music from episode one. We did that. So I actually got to sit with Anakin's theme and, and really take a look at how it's put together. And um, so I could, what I'm saying here is that I could really get into a lot of nerddom music and movie wise about the operatic techniques here, there and everywhere. But what I just ended up picking was what are the parts that made me go, that's really cool or <laughs> really, really helped to um, elevate the scene for me. Um, so I guess that's where I came at it with this. Um, so I guess I will start it off since I'm yammering here. And my first one is the music from the TIE fighter uh, dogfight in A New Hope. Can anybody sing it? Yeah, right. That it's just it just you got really slow moving tie fighters. And a stationary Millennium Falcon. If you don't have that music, <laughs> that's going to be the most boring thing on the planet, right? Um, but that music just really kicks butt. Um, you know, it's very, you know, it. I, I love the rhythm of it. I love 
you know, it's it's nothing. And then the the fanfares, um, and so I I just thought that just elevated that scene because that scene could have been if you take the music away from it, that scene is boring. <laughs> well, no, I, I was always saying I was always surprised that of all the things that George went and went and touched up for uh, A New Hope, that he never went back to that. Uh, composite shot, special effects shot of the Millennium Falcon just sitting in space, those two, three shots, and just trying to make it more dynamic. Because it could have just taken all that out, had the Falcon kind of swerving left and right, kind of like he did in Solo. But nope, he was okay with that shot, those shots staying put. And I also because love because of the music, probably. Exactly. Yeah. I also love in the Family Guy, you know, parody of Star Wars Peter singing it as he's shooting the TIE fighters. I mean, it's just like any of us playing video games, right? You know, so um, no, I just I think that music just elevates that scene um, and makes it a lot more exciting than what it could be. So that was my number one, or not my top, but that's my first one for the night. So and that, they, that that arrangement appeared in so many video games too. After that, like they went back to that well over and over and over again. So yeah, yeah that's that's iconic. Mm -hmm. Came back in solo too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dave, what's first on your list? Well, I mean, I don't know which order to go in. I'll say what's third on my list, and I'm going to cheat here because uh, it's a tie, but it's the only tie I have. Uh, we, we may talk honorable mentions after we're done here, but um, my two that are tied for my third slot come from Revenge of the Sith, uh, one of them is the opening sequence with the war drums mm -hmm. uh, that lead into a new battle anthem version of the Luke Skywalker Twin Sunsets theme that everybody knows. Um, like, goosebump inducing immediately when I first heard that. Um, I'm like, this, this theme was like, I mean, there, we could say that about a half dozen themes, and we probably will, uh, that that's the theme, the iconic theme for Star Wars. Um, and to, to just hear it reimagined in that way, um, it kind of like really drives home the point that they're at war right here, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're in the middle of a crazy galactic war. Um, and it just builds so much tension, too, because... You don't you don't know where you where this is headed, and it's just dumb, 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 dumb. You know. It's just <laughs> this war drum. On the fact it, that there, you know, you said it builds to the force theme. You know. Yeah. Uh, which is interchange. They it's called the Force theme. It's called the Skywalker theme, but it's it's the Force theme. Um, so, but you know that whole you know episode three is really getting into your there's a war against the Force. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. So so it makes it makes sense from a thematic standpoint. You know, and I will say I will say that uh, I I found the 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 score for episode three kind of unforgettable. That was just that's just me. Um, but I'm, now you're going to make me want to go back and watch that scene. So, <laughs> uh, well, it's it's tied for me with 
a moment later. Although I don't know, Fredo, if you wanted to. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, the the moment later in the movie that that tied for me with this one was when um, John Williams composed "Battle of the Heroes" for for this movie, um, and a, you know, um, and that was a really cool theme. But at one point, he morphed it into "Duel of the Fates" uh, as Anakin and Obi Wan are battling on Mustafar. And Palpatine is hurling Senate pods down at Yoda. And it's like, I lost my mind in the theater the first time I saw that. So those two moments, like, and I, you know, that was one of the, that movie for me was just a culmination of being a Star Wars fan at the time, because it was like, this is it. This is, this is the end. Um, so I'm just going to throw myself into enjoying this. Um, and those two moments in particular, because of John Williams, um, were two of my favorites in the entire saga. Cool. Mm -hmm. Fredo, what's your uh, what's first on your list? Uh, first on my list is, and actually this is one that uh, I've always thought of because I was just epic. It's Empire Strikes Back. It's the name of the track is Yoda and the Force. And we all know it basically as Yoda lifts the X-Wing from the swamp. Because particularly, yeah. well, it's not just Yoda's theme. It's because it builds from a slow moment when Luke is trying to lift uh, the X-Wing out. And it's got a kind of like flutes and wind instruments. And then it kind of dies down as he tells Yoda he can't do it. And he says to me, impossible. And then it just starts swelling up and swelling up as as uh, as Yoda just casually just goes with the force, lifts the lightsaber, the X-wing out of the swamp, helps carry it, and it's just building. And then as he's dropping it right in Luke's face, Luke's face, who can't believe that what's happening, is just built to a crescendo. And you're like, it's Yoda's theme, but it's like triumphantly done. Just I always, I always, whenever I think, whenever I think of Empire, that's a moment that just sticks in my head. So, uh, yeah, you know, the it's kind of funny the Yoda's theme. Um, I, I, I do love that, and it is it's it's his theme. It's played in, in different movies that Yoda's in. But then, what's really interesting is that it, it really kind of threw a wrench into my theory um, with Episode Seven that I said Ray has to be has to have some lineage to Han and Leia because mm -hmm. when when Ray and Leia meet for the first time they play Han and Leia's love theme from mm -hmm. Bespin. And so I was like that that can't be on accident. And so I was like I remember I was hammering this home and then I was watching Empire one day and when everybody's escaping Bespin and they're all running around, yeah, they're mm -hmm. playing Yoda's theme. <laughs> So it almost, makes, it almost makes you, well, you know, the, I mean, you know, the last movement in the symphony there, it's a recap, right? So you're going to get all the themes kind of bouncing around. So that's kind of, I can maybe see that's what they're doing in Empire. Or is it like, oh, crap, we didn't get music for this scene. Oh, I'll just, I'll just do this real quick for you, George. 
and <laughs> just write it down. But anyway, uh, but no, I do. I think that moment as well is awesome. So I agree with that. Um, and we're, we're kind of hustling through this because for copyright reasons, we can only play so many of the clips and we don't want Dave to have to like, you know, um, go to copyright jail or anything. Um, but, uh, my next one, this is going to kind of surprise you. It comes from episode two and it is the scene with, uh, pouty Anakin in the garage after he's slaughtered all the Tuscan Raiders. Mm -hmm. oh. here, here's why it's cool. It's, Hayden Christensen's acting is awful, uh, but what's cool is that underneath it, when he's talking about you know how Obi Wan's holding him back and and he you know he killed the you know Tuscan Raiders blah blah blah, is you hear the Emperor's theme. The Emperor's theme is you know in just it's really deep in the background. But you listen, you hear do 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 do. It's going, and then when he says, "I hate them." And then it's Darth Vader's theme. And I was just like, oh, that saved this scene. It was just like, it's awesome. And it's, and again, I used to teach operatic, you know, I teach music history to my music theory students. And we talk about operatic techniques and I'd play Star Wars stuff for them all the time. I was like, you know, here's this character development of this guy. And you can see the tipping point where he is tipping more to the dark side now. And you've got the emperor's influence you know, um, or Sidious's influence, you know, pushing him towards hatred. And uh, then to hear Vader's theme. They're like animals. And I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. And I just thought that was, that was just so cool in that scene. So... Yeah, listen for it. Sidious's theme is back there, so that's that's a great one. Um, and I'll quibble over the acting. Like to me, that's one of Hayden's best scenes, like by far, uh, from any of the scenes that he acted in the in the um, the second um, the second movie and the third movie. I, I loved his acting in that scene. You know, it worked so beautifully with that music. Loved it. Um, Cool. I will go with on this next one, um, the Last Jedi. And for me, um, it's that basically John Williams took that music, Jedi Steps, from the end of Force Awakens and blew it up to like this just insanely bombastic level as luke confronted kylo at the end of the movie that was on um, my list okay <laughs> um i like this like for so many reasons and i think like we we um we talked about the twin sunsets theme being kind of the skywalker theme right um and for a lot of people that was kind of luke's theme for a lot of for a long time but then jedi steps sort of became Luke's theme in the in the new trilogy um and that just that level of insanity in that moment where he's going walking out to confront him it just builds and it builds and it builds
Um, and I like to, and I wanted to mention this, that they did this in the trailer for Last Jedi as well. Um, it wasn't quite so bombastic as an, an arrangement, but it was a um, taking that music, which is like a beautifully haunting piece of music from the end of Force Awakens, and like overlaying it across something with like a more aggressive tempo. Um, and so it just, it takes on more importance. And um, I almost put the music from the trailer itself uh, on this list because I love it so much. Um, but ultimately I think um, just this moment with Luke and Kylo to me trumps it just slightly. Uh, in so many ways, and I'll just jump in right quick because it was it was one of the ones I was thinking of. It's I love the moment because it's it's almost representative of Luke accepting the myth, the legend the, that you know he had joked to uh, to uh, Ray earlier, like you think I'm just going to walk out, laser sword in hand, and just face a single the, the entire first order single handed, and that's exactly what he does at the end of the movie. And you see the looks on everybody's faces and the resistance as they just watch Luke Skywalker, Jedi legend, just calmly walk out through the hole that the first order just punched in their defenses to face them all out alone. And they're almost, you can almost see like they all can't believe that they're staring, that they're watching it. And that's what I love about the music. It's, it's building to all that. Kind of had to be an epic piece of music, right? Mm -hmm. For that yeah. moment, because like that's the point of the movie. Like at yeah. the end of the movie, you see Broom Boy, and the mm -hmm. galaxy is inspired by his moment of Luke mm -hmm. being the hero. And right. um, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. So they had to nail it. And I thought that, that they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, legend. It's a, it's a moment where the legend of Luke Skywalker just grows. So it had to be that way. Right on. Uh, okay, so speaking of Anakin and speaking of acting. Uh, my next one's going to go to episode three. Uh, it's called Padmas. The track is called Padmas Ruminations. It's the scene where Anakin and Padme are alone. Well, Anakin's in the Jedi Council room. Padme's in her apartments. She's staring across the city at him. He's staring across the city at her. The music is the only sound you hear. And it's just this haunting... Uh, solo is just echoing in almost a lamentation of what's about to happen because it's really the last moment where it's like uh, Pam is just terrified for Anakin what's going to happen to him and Anakin all he can think of what happens if I lose her and that's the you know what's going to propel him to run out of that room head to the chancellors and commit all the atrocities that he's going to commit from there on out and it's just I find it so interesting that in that moment where everything is going to turn, it's so it, that's the kind of music they choose. They chose something quiet and haunting and just put two, two characters in a moment without dialogue. You guys are going to make me watch episode three again. <laughs> 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 I I love the score for that movie. I mean, it is. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um and again, I see I I found it 
unforgettable. And I'm not not discounting your guys's you know thoughts or opinions or anything, but it's making me go on. What that would I miss? Um, and uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm gonna have to go watch it again. Hmm. Uh, so mine um, is very small, and uh, but I remember. Uh, so I'm gonna take you back to um, the early days of the internet. Um, when episode one was coming out and, um, the net, the net nerds were born at this moment, you know, cause everybody was arguing over, and I've mentioned on the podcast before, whether or not the emperor and Darth and this new Darth Sidious that we're hearing about, boy, they kind of look similar, but are they the same guy? And, you know, could it be something different? Blah, blah, blah. There, I mean, there was that argument going on and, and I remember sitting there to everybody who would say, are they the same person? I'm like, of course they're the same person. You know, I mean, they got the same guy acting the part. I mean, come on, how dumb can you be? But anyway, so it's like for months, I'm arguing with people like, yes, they're the same person, you know, it's going to be. So then after all this debate is going on and episode one comes out and I'm in the movie theater in Lincoln, Nebraska. And the first time that Sidious comes on screen, the emperor's theme is played. And I'm just like, when I'm almost in the back row going, woo, score one for John Williams. It's like, uh, he told everybody, yes. Move against the Jedi first. You will then have no difficulty in taking the queen to Naboo to sign the treaty. At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. This is the emperor. This is the guy. You know, it's the same dude because it's the same music. We, you know, again, that operatic technique of you want to know if this who this person is or who they're related to listen to the music you know and it so um i I just thought that 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 just made me giddy as a as a music student as a music teacher as you know um it, it just it was almost a sense of validation as well so um so yeah like i said very very small but just when i thought it was perfect so I like too how the Emperor's theme makes kind of a subtle appearance at, during the victory parade at the end of that movie too. Yeah, it's, it's in a major key because it's not you know it's not Sidious who's on the screen, but it's Palpatine. Everybody's supposed to feel good about it, but we got this theme underneath. You know, yeah, it's you know, it's like yay, we're happy about it, but it's evil dude you know so yeah I, I thought it was that was brilliant as well so great well um i'll go with my final moment here um and it's from empire strikes back and it's when the it's funny aaron when you were talking about the end of empire i almost thought you were gonna uh grab my moment um but it's it's not when the Yoda theme shows up at the end, but it's when Han and Leia's theme shows up at the end. When R2-D2 opens the door, they're getting shot at, they're pinned in, that you don't know if they're going to get away. Uh, are they going to escape Cloud City or not? And R2-D2 opens the door, and Han and Leia's theme just swells. I never doubted you for a second. Wonderful. And you're overcome 
with just the emotion of the moment of relief and uh they're gonna they're gonna do it they're gonna get away um and, and like, han is basically there because the falcon is there yeah and, and han had you know obviously han had already been they'd lost han boba fett had gotten away with him um at this point we know luke is in trouble um so you're really being put through the ringer in that in this this section of the movie and so for our the rest of our heroes to figure out a way to get out of it and escape and for that music to play um i just i love that moment so much i i get goosebumps every time i, I would i would agree with that like i said it's um um it, again it, you know, like i said han is basically there you know han is still going to save them because like i said the falcon is so it makes sense why they did that um but it's also again it's that like i said it's the the last movement of the symphony where you're going to get all the themes working together so um i thought i thought that whole sequence was just composed very very well by williams um so and uh by the way another draft uh update tua just went to miami actually apparently my wife sent me that text and now she just said i think <laughs> so we might want to check well, on that. The pick is in, but they haven't officially announced it on ESPN. So uh, it might it might be coming up. But yeah, but no, yeah. I thought that whole that whole last you know segment was just, like I said, just composed really well by by Williams. Um, so Fredo, what's next on what's last on your list before we get to all uh, of them? Last on my list, actually, I'm going to go to a new hope uh, during the Battle of Yavin. And it's the moment when Ben reaches out through the force and tells Luke to use the force. And he looks up and you hear the swell of the force theme. Use the force, Luke. Let go. And it's just, it's just a shot of the Death Star Trench run, the black sky full of stars, the Star Wars theme on violins, just it is just beautiful and epic and awesome. And it's like, like as when I think of, like I said, when I think of Star Wars, that's like just it's that's a snapshot. Just whenever I mean, A New Hope, and you you probably can verify this better than I, having seen the A New Hope in concert series. Uh, a New Hope is one of those movies you can pick out the moment in the movie just by the score. Absolutely. Yeah, you can go. There's better music playing. You can only tell. Not only what scene it's on, but who's talking or what they're what they're talking about. Do you think? Okay, so we might have to do this with. We might have to do this sometime, either for a podcast or just uh, just once we can sit around a table and do this. But a little drop the needle game. Do you think that you could do that with the music from um, episode three or episode two? I mean, at, with with as much minutia as you can with the. The original saga because my opinion i can't i i can with jedi empire and and again maybe it's and a new hope and maybe it's just that's what i grew up with i get it i listen to those albums all the time but with episode three like so i'm trying to remember what that music sounds like when they're looking at each other across the city i i if you held a gun to my head i'd just die i wouldn't you know it wouldn't work no, I, th I think it works. And the reason why I think it works is because the way that George edited the the prequels, 
he was chopping stuff left, right, and center. And he was even chopping the score. I mean, that's one of the advantages that John Williams had for most of the original trilogy was he had the complete scene, you know, a few spe special effects shots aside. Here you go. So he was composing the whole movie. Whereas I think there may have been some comment by John Williams later on saying, yeah, he was coming in and he was like, oh, all of a sudden he took out two seconds of the movie, so I needed to remove two seconds of my score. So it kind of felt a bit choppy here or there. And uh, Aaron, your wife was correct. All right. Never, never doubt your wife. I never do. <laughs> I never do. Learned that long ago. Um, so, uh, or Dave, I, I will say, say, yeah, just that I think Attack of the Clones is borderline disaster. Um, in terms of like how much of that score he chopped to pieces and reinserted things from episode one and it, none of it made sense. I mean, uh, there are a few pieces made sense across the stars is obviously a beautiful piece of music, but it's a disaster. So like, if you're going to put a gun to my head and say, tell me where in episode two, something, this piece of music appears, I would, I would die. Um, but I think he rectifies that significantly in episode three. Um, I think, if you watch this movie again, yeah, okay. I think I think with episode three, he kind of had pulled back a lot because, and here's the interesting part, because episode three is the one that everything had been built up to. There was almost fewer ability for him to kind of do all the maneuvering around with the plot. But at some point he knew Anakin had to fall, Padme had to pass away, you know, Anakin Nobu had to fight, the Jedi had to die. So oh, there's all these moments that had to happen that you've been building up to, and he really couldn't play around with it too much, as much as he did with episode two, which I think is the one that suffers the most from all that chopping that he did. Mm -hmm. So honorable mentions, and really I'm just going, I uh, may have a couple for honorable mentions, but really I'm just going to hang on one. And the reason why I didn't have this as one of my top moments because I really do, th I, I think this is the probably one of the best um, composed pieces in the entire saga. And, um, but you hardly hear any of it in the movie. And that's Anakin's theme from episode one. Mm -hmm. And here's why, I mean, because ha again, I had, I had to prepare this score to play with my band. And so I analyzed the score and I went through it. And that's when I really started to understand what Williams was doing. First of all, you listen to Anakin's theme and the phrases are so long and they don't really come to a stop. Anytime you think that it's going to stop, it keeps on going. So it's like, you're, you're never sure where this musical phrase is going to end, what direction it's going to take until he would end the phrase with one little motive of Vader's theme. Bum, bum, ba -dum. And he would harmonize it in a major key. So like what with the, you know, the Emperor's theme at the end of episode one, you know, in a major key, did this with Anakin's theme. So you always got that foreshadowing of, sorry, kids. Yeah, his, his future is open. We don't know where it's going, but yeah, he's going to become Vader. Or, yeah, we don't know where he's going to go. He could make decisions that you know, the phrase is taking you places, uh, but he still could become Vader. And 
it also reminded me of, you know, we in undergrad, we studied uh, some portions of the opera Tristan and Isolde. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that one of the characters, I think Tristan is, is um, uh, represented in the key of D and Isolde is in the key of A. And at the very end of the piece, you just have a, a D and an A played at the same time. And you know it's those types of things that composers do. And so, at the end of Anakin's theme, Williams, you know, he keeps playing the Vader theme, bum bum ba dum, and it would end in a major key, and then bum bum ba dum, and he would harmonize it in a minor key, and then the last one is just kind of a cluster. It's it's not major, it's not minor, it's unknown. And I was just like, this is awesome because it's really putting it's you know it's telling people that. Anakin is his future is not predetermined. It's not that he's he's destined to be evil. That he has he could be good. He could be bad. We could all be good. We could be bad. It's our choices. It's the things, you know, the circumstances that, you know. But we do have that possibility. So if you just uh, so it's not you're not going to hear it in the movie at all. But I would encourage you to just go and put on that CD and listen to Anakin's theme from start to finish. And it is just, and think about that character, a little boy, you know, whose future is wide open, you know, but knowing what you know further down the road, it's, it's the piece of music is just awesome. So that's, that's my honorable mention. And that's a rambling music nerd, you know, thing, but, um, uh, I'll, I'll throw it over to you guys. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll just I'll just quick run through a few scenes that that I would have liked to uh, brought up on my list, but I didn't have room. Um, in Rogue One, uh, there are two scenes. I love when the Death Troopers have landed and they start mowing people down after K two has died. Um, there's this music that just intones desperation which is where they are. Um, I just feel like it matches that scene so well. Um, and then the Aaron, you and I, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that surprising music. That's almost serene sounding music when they take down those star destroyers and they crash into the energy shield. Um, that's mm -hmm. another really fascinating moment. Well, it's, it takes you totally, like you said, it takes you totally by surprise because you you would expect like this big fanfare, but ah, we won, da -da 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 -da, you know, whatever. And it's, it's solemn and it's, 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 you know, um, it, it's reverence, it's, you know, introspection, it's, you know, almost prayerful. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. It's like most of our lead characters have died at this point. The the only two who are left we think are doomed. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it it couldn't have been bombastic and glass. Yeah. Um, I, I also I want to make make sure we mention the emperor's theme as it is um, uh, performed when Luke gives in to hate and attacks his father. Uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi with the Gregorian-like vocals, uh, yeah. just like powerfully chanting and like makes that whole se sequence more emotional. Um, the action 
piece that plays during Return of the Jedi when it's a trap, you know, really? they all walk into the Emperor's trap. It's just so, um, there's just something about that piece of music. Um, and that's another one that's been in like every video game ever. Um, and it's just dun, 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 you know, that yeah. it just, it just, yeah, it just really drives the action forward and really kind of helps put you on the edge of your seat. Um, and then finally, I want to mention Ray's theme. Um, and it it's showing up for the first time specifically uh, when she's in the desert and sliding on her slide <laughs> down the <laughs> down the giant sand dune. Um, I just you know what's really interesting. Moment. You know, it's really interesting because when episode seven came out and everybody was, who is Ray? Who's Ray related to? I, I'll have to find this now, but I, there was some guy, some music, you know, student, professor, whatever, who was showing the similarities between Ray's theme and Palpatine and the Emperor's theme. And he was saying that, that the music John Williams was telling us that, um, that Ray was related to Palpatine. And I'll have to find it. I, I didn't really necessarily, I couldn't quite follow him. I thought he was kind of reaching, but you know, maybe he's not, wasn't as reaching as we thought. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but uh, of course we found out that they decided she was the emperor's daughter, you know, when they're writing the third movie. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so I have some more, but Fredo, I don't want to step on any. So yeah, no, no. So uh, I was going to mention race theme because that was on my list. It's, it's interesting that particularly, as you says, when we introduce the, when we see her for the first time in the Force Awakens, she sort of gets a similar intro as Anakin and even as Luke. It's very, a soft and very innocent sounding uh, uh, theme or leitmotif for them. Uh, that's supposed that works against the idea of their mighty warrior status that they're going to gain. Uh, so, so that definitely that one. The other two that are gonna, I was gonna mention one is just it's the one that's been heavily featured in just about every video game I can think of is the asteroid theme from Empire. That was on my right. list as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that is, I mean, shoot, they ordered for Attack of the Clones. I was it's thrilled that, that they brought that back in solo as well. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that was, that was awesome. I mean, and you got Mm -hmm. didn't they, they kind of retcon that saying it's the millennium falcons theme did they i don't know but uh, i don't know i don't know i might be but, lying there well, it might be, no put it this way it wouldn't surprise me because i mean that's kind of that's kind of how it works it's you get an iconic moment and that 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 music just playing over the uh asteroid chase which is epic and like i said it's been copied and recopied and reused, so because so it's so good. The other one's gonna mention was Rogue One when Vader appears at the end in that hallway scene. It's the only time I think that I've ever heard any of the scores sound like a horror score. That doesn't sound like a science fiction or because even in some of the other moments when darkness had triumphs or whatever, it's played more like it's tragedy, like it's a failure, like it's failing. Here is now it's played for you're all gonna die and then you're gonna snow it and it's just it's epic in that way in a way i don't think i've heard it in many other scores you know another one i was uh my last one that's just kind of an honorable mention um i absolutely love the way the force theme was used when 
the Skywalker saber flies into Ray's hand in Episode mm-hmm. Seven. I still say that is the best moment in all of the movies. Is that moment right there? Um, and the the Force theme at that moment was just incredible. Um, so, and if you didn't have that music at that point, I don't think it would have been as effective. Um, so I thought that was really well composed. Um, so, uh, just real quick around the table, um, what's your, uh, what's your biggest eh or letdown moment musically in any of the star Wars, uh, um, any of the star Wars, uh, movies or it could be anything, even Mandalorian, whatever. I will throw my first one out again, since I'm yammering. Um, and that is the title theme for rogue one. I, dear Lord, that was awful. I, I, it's like it was, I've said it before, it's like it's a temp track that they're like, oh, yeah, we'll do this better. Before, and then they forgot about it. I was like, they got it. To, oh, crap. Oh, I guess that's our title theme now. <laughs> so, but I remember when that, when that came out, I remember going, really? Ugh. And then I was glad that the movie kicked in. I really, it's one of my favorite movies now, but that main title was bleh. Anyway, so that's mine. My biggest overall disappointment uh, might be Rise of Skywalker because a lot of people hyped up the score for that movie, um, which was odd. Um, I was reading non-spoilery reviews from folks prior to the movie coming out, and that was one of the things that a lot of people talked about. Oh, the score is fantastic. It's great. It's amazing. And... I, again, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Aaron, when you're talking about the prequels. I I couldn't tell you a piece of music that plays at any point during that movie. I mean, I know the Emperor's theme shows up a couple of times, but um, I, you know, and I know Ray shows up, but it's like it just it felt derivative, and I I guess that's the frustrating part for me is um, I. I mean, I loved John Williams, and he walks on water. But um, well, let's think about let's think about his. Uh, he's he's got a heck of a hurdle to go over because essentially you have the same trilogy three times. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's really be honest. You have the same story beats, you know, three times with everybody who's related to one another. So the first one is going to be awesome. The second one's like, okay, I've got to make this sound. Um, so yeah, I've got to use kind of the same themes. And then the third one's like, oh, I gotta do this again. You know, there's only so many different ways you can cover brown eyed girl with before it just sounds the same, you know? Um, so I think, I think John Williams was kind of dealing with, uh, with some hurdles, you know, but I'm with you that I think the sequel trilogy with the exception of, you know, that one moment in episode seven, I think is forgettable. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I think I think the sequel trilogy suffers from not having enough of those because that's the thing, particularly with John Williams. You you listen to any of his classic scores, there's the big themes that you just immediately think of, whether it's the Raiders of the Lost Ark theme, E.T., Superman, whatever. But there's also these little moments that happen during a movie where the music hits the what's happening on the screen just right and it fits it perfectly. And I don't think that they got enough of those in the sequel trilogy, which is a disappointment because that's what you want to get. So do you have a Fredo? Do you have any? 
last uh, honorable mention? Well, I was going to, yeah, besides, uh, yeah, I, was, I was thinking of Rise of Skywalker just because I was trying to think of a moment from there and I went like, I can't think of a single one. And I, and I just watched the movie, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but the other one I was going to mention off the top of my head is, uh, with the exception of Across the Stars, is uh, episode two. I just, I feel sorry. And that's not on John Williams' uh, play, that burden to bear. That's on George Lucas because he did a little service with uh, with that movie. Well, it's also, yeah, it's also very, especially the back half of that movie, which is all just a big battle. Mm-hmm. You, know, it's, you know, I don't know. It's not just character said, I mean, driven. He has, I mean, he has done movie scores where the last whatever a whole section of the movie is epic, you know, action oriented. He can't do that. It's just it's surprising, or maybe it's not surprising. It's just you don't get enough of those, both the big moments and the small moments. Um, you know, and that's again, that's Lucas tinkering with the movie till the very last minute. So, uh, so yeah, those of you listening, if you, uh, you if we. If you have a moment that's different from any of ours, you know, let us know on Twitter um, and uh, you know what your favorite moments or maybe your eh moments are. If you agree with us, if you disagree with us, um, but I do encourage everybody to go listen to Anakin's theme. And I guess I've got to go watch episode three um, and see just what I missed the, there. Just put the score on, man. <laughs> um, so, uh, but uh, don't forget, you can uh, find us on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, Hudat Jedi podcast, and you can also find us on Podbean to get our to the, get this. You can on um, uh, Apple Podcasts and on Google Play. Um, so, did I miss? Did I miss anything? That's how you can find us. Um, well, we were gonna say, like, do we have a favorite score? Oh, oh, okay. I I went. I got to jump to the end here real quick. Favorite? I mean, favorite score? Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. It's gonna be episode four. <laughs> I get it. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think any of the rest of them compare to what they did with Episode Four, um, because it was so written in that Wagnerian style. The rest of them started to take some, you know, bending that a little bit. But it was, I think, Episode Four, hands down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I would go with the next one, Episode Five, just because it takes the Wagnerian elements, but it builds on it and just. Just think of all the musical moments that are in that movie, from the Imperial March, which I'm sure, Aaron, you've had to play as a band member about 500 times, easily. Uh, surprisingly, no. Really? Yeah. Not even for college football? No, it was. They, they didn't really start using that until after I graduated. Um, That's a and uh, as a band director, no, I refused again to play any Star Wars stuff. But yeah, but you know, everything, you know, like we just mentioned so many of those moments from Yoda, Astro Chase, Vader, et cetera. It just, you know, the, the soundtrack of Star Wars is in that movie, so to speak. So anyway, that'd be mine. I, I love both of those. I think that both of those scores are, are the answer. Um, but uh, if I'm going to go with a third option, um, and I, this is funny because we were just uh, slagging on the sequel trilogy, but I would go with Force Awakens um, because John Williams created three really, really good themes for that movie. Well, maybe four because you had the the Resistance 
theme. March, you, the March of the Resistance. Right. March of the Resistance. You had Ray's theme. You had Kylo's theme. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you had uh, Jedi Steps at the end. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, two of the four of those I, I just adore. And the other two, I think, are really solid pieces as well. So, yeah. And, of course, cool. the, war, the worst musical moment still remains Jedi Rocks. Oh, <laughs> I would agree. How did we not mention that? Well, we just did, and we just did, and we gave it the amount of time it deserves. And let me. Okay, so I, I, we're now stretching this. All right, so end of Jedi, yub yub, or what they switched it to? Yub nub, yub nub. I actually like the change they made in the special edition. I think it was much more um, poignant. Wasn't an Ewok um, party because an Ewok party don't stop, but you know, it was uh, Ewok party don't stop till we uh roast somebody over the pile of the fire. That's right. Uh, uh gun to my head, I, I take I like Yubnub. I like yeah. Yubnub, but I like them both. I'm, I'm glad that they didn't replace Yubnub with something terrible. I, I, I thought what they settled on was good, so mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. Jedi Rocks was just awful. Mm -hmm. so. Um, so with that, <laughs> we'll we'll call it a night. And uh, I don't know where are we at in the draft. Um, uh, pick number eight was just done. The Cardinals just took Isaiah uh, Simmons. Uh, Four. Yeah, the Jags are on the clock. Unless we trade up, yes. We're twenty. So we're all going to be up until like one. Is that what this is? Yeah, probably about ten o'clock is when they'll make the pick. So, um, well, all right. Well. Let's hope the, the Saints draft whoever is going to take us to the Super Bowl. That Look, is I'm just glad that there's not non-repeat sporting stuff happening. It's it's actually new current sporting stuff. Yeah. However, I will say NFL Red Zone has been doing their replays, and that was, that's was that been wonderful to have them on. So, but anyway, all right, I digress. So everybody, make sure you, you stay healthy. Make sure that you are not sneezing on people and you're washing your hands and you just stay inside unless you absolutely have to, you know, go out and, um, you know, just be smart about it. And uh, hopefully we'll all see each other in, in person again soon. But until then, we'll keep broadcasting this uh, podcast via um, video conference. And um, but I can't wait until you're back around my table again so we can have beer together. So um, but until then, uh, we'll all say who dat? Who dat? And we will see you next week. My monkey. <laughs>